0: There are a lot of great things about uh, the the baptisms today. Uh, One is it really was an illustration of what we're trying to be all about at Grace Hills Church, the OWL, Oikos, Worship and Life Groups. As you looked at the baptism, it was Oikos in operation as, as Tony and Kim had opportunity to influence their children for Jesus Christ. And then Alexis was really brought into our church and relationship here because of the outreach of Olivia. So that's really Oikos working itself out. Costs uh, is part of our challenge. And just in case you didn't quite get, I'm a little slow sometimes. Would you admit sometimes you're a little slow? Is if you are coming to the breakfast, we want to know how much food to make. So on your response card, write the word breakfast. I was still trying to figure out how to shout during that song as well. But anyway, sometimes we don't quite pick it up. But if you're going to come to the breakfast, we want as many as it come. Just write the word breakfast there. But we're excited about what God is doing through his church, not only locally, but globally, as we have opportunity to support people around the world, uh, sharing Christ and reaching out to their world. And last weekend, we had opportunity to send a, a crew down to Mexico. And uh, they had a great time there just serving Christ and, and living out their worship. Worship begins on Sunday, but it continues throughout the rest of the week as we serve God in a variety of different ways. And so Donna Lopez is going to share a little bit about our experience last weekend as uh, we had opportunity to, to go down and, and just be a source of help for those in need. So, Donna, just give Donna a warm welcome as she comes.
1: Okay, you guys know I shake, so... I mean, the only way I wouldn't shake would be if I could sit down and and hold it with both hands. But wow, um, this is our this is my third trip. Um, I'm not sure how many more before me. Um, the people down there, when we you know when we get there, it's it's kind of humbling. It's it's all humbling for me. Um, so much poverty, so much just rawness of everything that we saw, and we drove up and. The gravel that you see there was in just a giant pile, and we spent, there's my boy and Dan, uh, we spent the day shoveling gravel, and you know, like I said, when we got there, there was just, it it just seems like there's nothing, and just within one day's work, with all of us working together, something is created there, and we never really quite know what the outcome is going to be until it's finished, but... It's just really awesome to be a part of it and see, see that come together. Um, the other part of it is when we leave the seminary, we get to go into where the, the actual church is that we support, um, where Alma and Ramon, and there they are, um, the pastor and his wife. And I actually saw three years ago that church just bare bones, and I think Ian and Ann were a part of that trip. And We, we actually did the outside. We drywalled. We painted. We put doors up. John escaped and was gone for quite a long time trying to find doors. But the doors are still there, looking very nice. Um, one little funny story about that thing, and I kind of tie it into that jungle gym looking thing, the whole uh, better together thing. Um, started as a box with a bunch of parts in it. And my job, there were six of us, and they decided we decided to split up. And I figured painting would be good. So Steve and I decided to paint, and we stuck Alice and Mike with the box of parts. (laughs) And that all seemed like a really great idea, but Steve and I finished our painting, and Mike and Dan finished putting in the plants and finished the gravel kind of a little bit and looked over, and Alice and Mike still hadn't gotten very far with the jungle (laughs) gym-looking thing. Well, when we all walked over and looked at it, we realized that there was really only one tool, one screw one screw on one side, one screw holder on the other side, there was no way. There was just no way they were going to be able to put that together. Now, the directions, mind you, said that one person would take, what, three hours, and two people should only take an hour and a half. Well, needless to say, it took six of us four and a half hours to get the thing together. <laughs> but we were better together, so that's kind of how the whole thing went. And uh, I just wanted to say one other thing. Uh, maybe if we could just bow our heads in prayer um, for the people that are in Mexico and, and I heard a story on the way back, actually when we got back, about two people that were shot coming back across the border two days after we came back. So I'd just like to say a prayer real quick. Dear Father, just thank you for giving us the opportunity to go over there and see what's going on and and, and the work that just one day over there, um, what it does to lift the spirits of the people in that community and the work that they're doing. And Father, I would just ask for a special blessing for ramon and his wife and the church that they're building there and just continued support from our church in jesus name amen
0: thanks donna it was great on sunday before we went on saturday dan got baptized and then five or six days later he's on a mission trip it was just a great opportunity just to put faith into action Well, this morning we conclude our series in the Gospels. It's not concluding our series as we look through the New Testament. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John. We're going to be racing through some things this morning. I don't know if you ever get nervous on a Sunday where you look at the outline and you begin to think, is he ever going to get through this message? Probably not this morning, but we're going to do a variety of different things, so relax. Uh, If we don't finish it, this is one of those things you can take home and do it yourself. But we're going to be looking a little bit by way of review of the four Gospels and then uh, really focus on what God has in that fourth rendering of God's story written by the Apostle John. If you know a little bit about the Gospels, and we've been sharing this, there's a major theme out of each Gospel. Matthew, who wrote particularly to the Jewish people, spoke about Jesus being the Messiah King. I really liked how um, Brandon was sharing about Do you. Put your, have you put your faith in Jesus, our king? That means he's our Lord. He's our master. He's the one who calls the shots in our lives. And Matthew presented Jesus as the promised Messiah king. Then you had Mark presenting Jesus as the servant, the one who fulfilled the prophecies in the Old Testament, but particularly came to live out what a, a savior would come to be. Sometimes when people think about God, They not only struggle about, is there a God, but is there a good God? Well, when Jesus came, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And then you look at Luke, and Luke presented Jesus as the man, the perfect man. And if God were to become a man, he would be just like Jesus. He would be perfection lived out in the flesh. Well, John writes to a worldwide audience, and he presents Jesus as fully God. Well, this morning, what I want to do, I want to begin by just sharing a little story I read recently, and then we're going to kind of fill in the blank. There's a lot of different ways you can try to learn things, and sometimes after you learn it, you are tested upon them. I was I was uh, kind of giving the three baptismal candidates, shall I say a bad time, right before Brandon had uh, Oriented them and taught them about the meaning of baptism, the meaning of faith, and and right before they went out, I said, "Well, you know, you have to pass my test or you don't get baptized today." Uh, you're not nervous about taking tests, and they all go, "Yes, I am." And so I asked them a few questions. They all passed because they all got baptized. But a lot of ways you can take tests. You can have essay tests, you can have uh, multiple choice, or you can have short answers. And we're going to have some short answer uh, t- uh, learning environments this morning. But as I was thinking about that, I read the story this past week, and it was a children's Sunday school class, and they were undertaking a study of the book of Proverbs. And to illustrate what the Proverbs were, the teacher collected the first phrase of a bunch of traditional American Proverbs and asked the children to creatively complete them. Uh, Here were some of the results. So short answers. How would you finish this particular proverb? Better to be safe than... But they wrote, better be safe than punch a fifth grader. (laughs) strike while the their response was strike while the bug is close <laughs> don't bite the hand that they wrote don't bite the hand that looks dirty <laughs> a penny a penny saved is a they wrote a penny saved is not very much <laughs> and this is the one i like the most children should be seen and not Their response back was, children should be seen and not spanked or grounded. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of ways we can kind of test whether we really understand the truth that's trying to be communicated. And as we've gone going through the Gospels, we've been trying to express that in a variety of different ways. One, particularly look at the author, one, look at the major themes, maybe the audience into, into which he was particularly writing, and also to give some kind of a summary form in terms of the content given. One of the ways you could do that is, again, fill in the, fill in the blank as far as the, the main idea. Through the Gospel of John, what I try to do was to make it in a variety of different ways, to make it an acronym, which you could put a chapter title to the very theme of the book. Jesus Christ is fully God. One way you could test yourself on that is get the first word and see if you can complete the statement. One example of that would be the very first chapter, which is all about Jesus. And the fill-in-the-blank there is Jesus is the Word. And we're going to look at that in just a few moments as we look at some of the key passages of the Gospel of John. If you look at chapter 3, and if you use the, the first word, second, the fill-in-the-blank would be second birth. Because Jesus said, unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. And, and there are a variety of ways to understand God's Word that way. As we looked at last uh, Sunday and in, in in this message particularly we looked at the 13th chapter it was all about serving by washing people's feet and you saw jesus take the towel of a servant and 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 bend down and and reach into the needs of others well this morning what i want to do i want to give you the kind of the five the final chapters in fact there's two things i want to do i want to give you the final chapter chapters in the gospel of john and, and then i want to look at some fabulous truths out of god's word particularly as john gives it to us and it's really john on truth this morning and we're going to look at a variety of different passages that are that are memorable verses they're ones you want to underline in your bible they're the ones you want to put on your refrigerator they're the ones you want to put on your mirror they're the ones you want to put in your car when you stop at a stoplight and make sure you you get it and so we're going to look at a variety of things this morning so if you have your bibles get out your bible get make sure you have something to write with and maybe you can underline these verses if you haven't underlined them before But let's look at final chapters real quickly, because I want to spend most of our time on the verses this morning. Chapter 14, and really the last part we're looking at is fully God. Chapter 14 is finding the way. And Jesus speaks into his disciples, and they're wondering where he is going And they're not sure they can follow him and jesus comes out and said I am the way the truth and the life So chapter 14 focuses on finding the way chapter 15 uh, The key word there to begin with is useless in chapter 15 useless if you're not in the vine Uh, You can illustrate that in a variety of different ways. We have a lot of equipment up here And if it's not in a wireless uh, Perspective if it's tied into a power source all you have to do is unplug it and it will be absolutely useless and as you think about the Christian life, you can go through a lot of motions. You can go through a lot of activity. You can find yourself in a lot of ritual. But if you're not plugged into Jesus, you're simply useless. And Jesus uses that analogy of a branch that's not tied into the vine and it will lose its life. Chapter 16 is looking into the spirit. It's interesting of the, of the gospels, the four gospels, most of them focus on God, the father, and they focus on Jesus, the one who came for us. But John begins to bring in the life of the Spirit. And we'll be seeing that in a few passages this morning. Chapter 17. Many of you are familiar with the Lord's Prayer. If we were to try to quote it this morning, Our Father who art in hallowed be thy, thy kingdom come thy, you get it, all right? And we think of that as being the Lord's Prayer. And that, that's true in one sense because it was the Lord who gave us that prayer. But that really is the Lord's Prayer for the disciples. You can get it even from the very beginning because when he gave that prayer, our Father, our Father who art in heaven. When Jesus prayed, he prayed to my Father. And if really you want to see into the heart and the life of Jesus and what he prayed about, you want to look at John 17 because that's the Lord's personal prayer. Chapter 18, our Lord betrayed. Chapter 19, God's Son crucified chapter 20, all about Easter. It's the open grave. And then in chapter 21, it's the disciple restored. One of the things that's so amazing about the scriptures, and that's what we're really doing through this series in 2011, is looking at the entire New Testament. And this is true also about the Old Testament, is you look at the heroes of faith, as you look at the people we would normally put on a pedestal because they are ones to be admired and try to follow their example, you find out that they all have some issues. They all struggle in their faith as well. And in chapter 21, you have the disciple restored, particularly Peter. As he denied the Lord three times, Jesus reaches down in his heart and restores him three times as well and, and calling out for him to love him. Well, there are a variety of ways I was going to look at how we close this gospel, and as I was Looking at the final chapters, I was going to pick one of those final chapters and just focus on it similarly to how we did last week. But what I thought, there's so many great truths out of the gospel, of John, that I just wanted to pick out some verses. And what happened is I, I didn't know which verses to leave out. Because you can underline just about everything in this particular gospel, this rendering of God's story and just by doing it rapidly i came out with 19 passages and after i looked at my outline after it was already printed i think well you know there's 21 chapters couldn't you put two more in there well that's the homework you pick out a couple more that you would add to this list and then after i looked at that i said well why didn't you pick one out of each chapter and so then i did that as well so i'm up to about 30 already but these are verses, these are passages of scriptures that even have fuller meaning when you understand the context of the verse that's given to us, God's truth. So what I want to do this morning is simply just look at some great Bible verses, and hopefully you'll desire to put them to memory and make them part of your understanding of who Jesus is. So Gospel of John, beginning of the first chapter, beginning with the very first verse. John writes, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. What's amazing about this particular passage, is it speaks about who Jesus is, who is the word. And it speaks about partly of his characteristics. If Jesus is the word and it refers to here, not only the word being in the beginning, but he's also God. Then what would be true about him? He would be, as theologians would say, he'd be the preexistent one. He has always been. He didn't come into being on Christmas. In fact, it's very precise in terms of the original language used in the New Testament. It's the word, the word was there is the word Amy. And he could have used the word Ginomai. And if he had used the word Ginomai, it would say, and the word in the beginning was the word and the word became God. But he used the word was God, which really speaks of an "He's always was and always will be. And so, as we think about proclaiming Jesus, we're speaking about the one who always was, who always is, and always will be. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Which is even a window into what we understand as the Trinity. Because the Bible tells us that we believe in only one God, but within the one God, there are three persons God the Father. God, the son, and we're going to see a little later that God, the Holy Spirit. And so he was God. He was fully God, but he was with God. And the only way to understand that is there is a one essence, one supreme being. But there's a multifaceted perspective in relationship to that one being. There's God, the father, there's God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit. That's the God that we believe in. And then in John chapter 1 verse 12, we have the equation of what it means to become a child of God. John one twelve. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. If you have your own Bibles here, I'd be underlying all these passages. These are all these are all take-home passages. And as you think about that, a simple equation in terms of how do you come to faith in Jesus Christ, and that was one of the questions I asked Austin, Alexis, and Olivia, is well what's this baptism all about why are you getting baptized and and sometimes we we think that the water is doing the spiritual work the water in the baptismal or in the lake or in the river or in the ocean when we drop someone underneath the water and and then bring them up up out of it, it illustrates what god has done on the inside this is just a physical expression of that we receive eternal life we receive the washing away of our sins not at baptism but at the point of embracing Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the authority to become a child of God, even those who believe in his name. And the spiritual equation is this. Believe plus receive equals a child of God. And so that's the step that each of us need to to wrestle with. Have we believed and received Jesus As our Savior and Lord. John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, and that's the New King James way to say, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And if you remember, this is the the occasion where Nicodemus, a religious leader, one who was well-versed in the Scriptures, comes to Jesus at night, probably embarrassed that other people might see him. And wonder why he's falling after those in his religious world rejecting. And ask him, well, how can I connect with what you're saying? I know you've got to be from God. And Jesus, right at the start of the conversation, says, unless you be born again, you should not experience the kingdom or rule of God. Personally. See, Nicodemus was, was taking his confidence in being Jewish, to being one who observed the law. But what he didn't understand, that was not enough. And so he makes a very simple analogy. Everyone is born physically. But that's not enough. You must be born spiritually. And so when we talk about being born again, we're not talking about turning over a new leaf. It's not uh, learning a new golf swing. It's It's not experiencing something fresh. It's experiencing a birth from above. I couldn't get out of chapter 3 without looking at the most familiar verses, verses 16 and then 17. Jesus goes on and explains this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's a verse that you could preach a message on. In fact, you could preach a series of messages on by just looking at each singular word. Just looking at one of them for a moment. He could have said, for God loved the world. But he said, for God, what so love the world. I remember when my children were young and we'd be doing a variety of different things and we'd be talking about our relationships with each other. And I'd say, "Now, how much do you think God, uh, that your dad loves you? Does your dad love you this much? 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 With hands extended as far as I could. And really, that's the expression what he's trying to say here for God so loved you. And as we think about that's the expression of the cross as far as he could be extended. That's how much God cares about you. And so as you think about this gospel, this rendering of God's story, the story of Jesus, it's a story of expressing why Jesus came. He came because he loved us, so loved us. But as we all know, some of us are a little slow. And as Donna was sharing about the jungle gym that I got assigned to do, in fact, you know, I was a leader there, sort of responsible. and, And so, as we got to the task, I said, "Well, let's let's divide them up, okay? What does people want to do?" And I assumed somebody would want that fun task. They all picked everything else but that, okay? And you know, I hate jigsaw puzzles. This was a big jigsaw puzzle. And as you as you I don't even remember why I was telling that story. But anyway, as you you think about the extension of of just having to do things you can't do. That's the message of the gospel. Is that we can't do it on our own. And in case we don't get it the first time that Jesus came because he loved us, he says it not only the positive. But he says it in the negative. Look at John 317. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. Some people's picture of God is God is up there and he's got this big thumb and he's looking for people to put that thumb on their neck. But he's he's delighting in judging people for their sin. That's why Jesus came, not because he came to condemn us, but to rescue us. God not only so loves you that He sent His Son. He sent His Son so that you might not be judged. That you might not be condemned. In fact, every verse in the Gospel of John is so filled with me. Look at verse 18. This is for free. He says this, He who believes in Him, this is Jesus, is not condemned or judged, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Probably one of the most repeated conversations I have with people as they are struggling about faith, and particularly if they believe a variety of different things about God. One of the things I'll share with them is, is I know where I'm going to go when I die. And their normal response is, like, well, how could, how could you know? How do you, how do you know that somehow when you die, you're going to be good enough to get to heaven? Are you sure you're going to pass that judgment? Are you going to pass that test? Each one of the baptismal canons said they didn't like tests. (laughs) None of us like tests. Well, how how do you know you're going to pass that test? Because God's word has said, I've already passed it. My judgment has already been made. The grade has already been given to me and I've passed. He who believes in the son has been judged already. And he who chooses not to believe in the son, that judgment has already been made as well. And their their grade will not be pass; it will be fail. And why? Because they have not been able to deal with their sin, which keeps them from God. Moving on, John chapter four, verses 20, 32 and thirty-four. And I throw this in for free because this is this is a great this is a great illustration of the life of Jesus. In, in verse thirty-one. Uh, his disciples had gone on to get food for Jesus. You remember this is the story of Jesus at, at the well, giving water, the living water to the woman at the well. And the disciples urged Jesus, saying, rabbi eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And of course, they're bewildered. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And of course, they didn't say it to him because they knew they, they, they would not have the right response to him. And then Jesus responds. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And Jesus made that familiar statement, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every, what? Word which proceeds out of the mouth of God. And what he thought about what's most important in his life. It's not where we get the next meal. It's not meeting our own needs, but it's to do the will of God. And to finish his work. One of the verses I didn't put on here, which could be added, is when Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. And so he came. To do God's will. And he did God's will because his passion was to do what God had called him to do. I have food to eat, which you know not of my food is to do the will of my father who is in heaven. Chapter five. As you think about the theme of the, the Gospel of John, it's Jesus Christ is fully God. And one of the passages which speaks so specifically about that is found in Matthew 5. We'll look at verse 17 and then to 18. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. And then this statement. Therefore, the, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Again, often people say, well, Jesus never clearly claimed to be God. I don't know how more plainly you could make it than right here. They responded to him talking about having a unique relationship with Father God. They would say our father, but they would never say my father. Sometimes when people look at the names relationship to jesus jesus being the son of man jesus being the son of god and somehow they think that means somehow we must be somewhat lower than god they miss the whole analogy of scripture because when you say you're a son of something sometimes people say you're a son of son of a gun son of whatever some other words they'll add in that and they say you have those same Qualities You had those same attributes. Sometimes they're positive. Sometimes they're negative. When Jesus said he was the son of God. They knew that meant he was of the same f- essence and substance of God. And when he called the father, my father. They saw him making himself out to be equal with God. Chapter. Chapter eight, we skipped chapter six, we could add chapter six, I'm tempted to, but I will move on. John, chapter eight, verses thirty one and thirty two. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. We've heard that not only in religious settings, places like the church, but we've heard out in the work world as well. But so often they they miss the context of that. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. But what is the truth? The the truth is the the words of the living God. And in that, he also makes a statement which really speaks to each one of our hearts and lives. How do you know if you're really a true follower of Jesus Christ? It's not simply walking an aisle or praying a prayer at a certain time. It's demonstrating that What you did then is lived out now. Indeed, you are truly disciples of mine if you abide in the truth. You abide in my word. The word abide there has the idea of remaining and connecting to. God's people are people of the book. We are the people who follow after his way. And if you know that truth, then that truth will set you free. Free from what? Free from wondering if your sins are covered. Free from wondering if if God cares about you. Free from wondering what's going to happen when you die. Free from wondering if if the habits and struggles of this world are overwhelming to the point that you cannot overcome them by the Spirit of God. See, the Bible says if, if you know the Savior, that you can be set free from your sin. Not that it will be easy, and we're not talking simply about the penalty of sin, but the power of sin, that God is able to deliver you from every habit, hurt, and pain that that you're in. If you know the truth and abide in it, you'll be set free. Chapter 10, verses 30 and 31, which goes back to the idea of Jesus Christ is fully God. Jesus made this statement, I and my Father are one. Now that could be understood in a variety of different ways that they had the same purpose, the same agenda, or it could be much, much more. And the reason we know it means much more because of the reaction of the crowd. Verse 31, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. We have no freedom to say Jesus is simply a great teacher, a prophet, because he over and over claimed to be of the same essence of the supreme being in this universe. I and the Father are one. And the immediate response was to pick up stones and kill him. John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus said, I am the resurrection the life. He, and often we kind of stop there, but it goes on. He who believes in me shall live, even though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. But what I like so much about this passage, it goes on, and then he gives an invitation do you believe this? I think I shared when we we're going through this section in the Gospel of John, so often I'll turn to this passage. And it's, it's one thing to pray on behalf of others. And we have a variety of people in, in facing surgeries, have just gone through them. And we don't know what the day's coming will bring to pass. And we can pray for their healing. But much more what we can offer them and some, most of them have already embraced that. Is that life goes beyond this life. How, how counterintuitive is it to say, I am the resurrection life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. How can you die and also live unless there's something beyond this? Lazarus went to the grave, came out of the grave, but then went back to the grave. But the final story, is in the presence of God now. John chapter 13. Jesus, after washing the disciples' feet, we looked at this last week. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Again, counterintuitive. Jesus presented a message in which if you want to gain your life in this life, you've got to lose it. You've got to give it away and when you do that you follow after my example then your joy will be multiplied John 13:34 and 35 John writes recording Jesus words a new commandment i give to you that you love one another as i have loved you that you also love one another by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another we have stated it as a as a purpose process for our church to be committed to oikos and worship and life groups. You can't live out God's badge of being one of his family members without doing it in community. Because a new command, it wasn't that God had never said we ought to love one another, but this was a a different step now. We are to love like Jesus loved. He was the example and he loved others to the end. He, he brought it up to another level where we're not only to love those whom love who love us, but we are to love those who don't love us. And so we are watched by a watching world to see how we treat each other. And as we think about that, we need to love people who are not only easy to love, but aren't so easy to love. Kind of the EGR people in this world, the extra grace required people in this world. And the only way that's lived out is by being with God's people. To to love when you don't feel like loving them. To love them when you don't even feel like they deserve love. Because we never deserve love. But Jesus loved us while we were yet undeserving sinners. Christ died for us. So we are called to love and care about others. Because this by this all men will know that we are his followers. Quickly. John 14 9. Jesus puts in a different way as far as. Proclaiming who he is, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long? Have you not only seen me for so long, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So, how can you say, Show us the Father? See, those who were closest to Jesus often didn't get it. They, they were a little slow as well. And finally, after Jesus made that same, I am the way, the truth, and life, no one comes to the Father but through me, they still weren't getting it. And they said, Well, we, we'll really understand it if you could just show us God. Show us your Father. And Jesus say, I am in your presence. If you've seen me, you've seen the essence of God. I and the father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. John 14, 27. Jesus makes these statements. Peace, I leave with you my peace. I give to you not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Now, this is a statement in which we experience God's supernatural presence and how it impacts our life. It's one thing to experience peace when when nothing's going wrong. But what Jesus said, I'm going to give you peace, not like the world gives. I'm going to give you that comfort and that assurance that God is with you and everything that you Experience is filtered through his hands. And no matter how many trials and challenges you have, my presence will always be with you. Therefore, you don't have to be troubled or confused, nor be afraid, because my peace will be given to you. John fifteen eleven, Jesus makes the statement, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. The Christian life should be the one in which we experience life to its greatest experience jesus said i came not to give you life but life more abundantly that my joy my full joy might be yours john 16 i'm so tempted to say more about these verses each time john 16 verses 7 and 8 Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. I mentioned to you before, this is probably one of the most unbelievable verses in the Bible. Here, here if you have been three years with Jesus and Jesus said, I'm going to tell you something good's going to happen. I'm going to take off and it's going to be better that I take off. But then he says how that, why that's going to be. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The spirit of God lives with us moment by moment we live within his presence but it's god's spirit that does everything significant in the spiritual world he, he comes to do three 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 things he comes to convict us of things that are wrong in our life sin he comes to convince us convincing convicting has two aspects to it convicting in terms of pointing out which is which is wrong and, and then the other aspect convincing that which is right and he says, I came to not only to convince you that sin is in your life, but also there is a righteous standard and one who is righteous, that is Jesus. And then also warn you of a judgment to come. And, and when we share about Jesus to others, that's what, G, that's what the Spirit does for us. Convicts them of their need, points them to the righteousness of God, and then brings them to the point that they've got to make a choice, judgment. Quickly, three other verses. John 17, 17, 17 and 18. And really, this is the purpose of the whole series as we go through the New Testament. Jesus prayed this in his personal prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And you sent me into the world. I also. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. How are we set apart from God? How are we to be what God wants us to be? There is one singular process by which God wants to change our lives and through His Word. When we interact with God's Word, when we put it in our heart and our life and seek it with passion to obey it, that's how our lives are changed. Turning to the last two chapters in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 20, we have the purpose of this book. Verse thirty and 31. And Jesus... Truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. In, in many ways, the gospel of John, which is true with the other gospels as well, as well, is not so much a an academic book. But it's an evangelistic book it, It's a book bringing people To a point of commitment. These were written. For the express purpose. That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. The son of God. And that in believing in him. You might have life. In his name. The Bible wasn't written so much for information. But for transformation. As we see the purpose. It's for us to encounter God. His truth. And allow that to radically change who we are. He closes this book we began with the first verse in this book in verse 25 where he said "And these these also are many other things that jesus did and there are also many other things that jesus did which if you were written one by one i suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that it would be written and then he closes with the tr- the word amen or amen or, or that this is true and really what he's saying here even as i've raced through 19 passages what I did was select certain truths out of the Gospel of John. It was not exhaustive. We would have have to read every single verse that John wrote. But what we did here, even though it was selective, just like as John wrote selectively about the life of Jesus, it was sufficient. And as we think about what we need to know about God, we, we have more things to know about God than we can contain as it is. Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain said this. It's it's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that challenge me. It's the things that I do understand. And it's John Rowe presenting who Jesus is. It's for the express purpose. That we might know that Jesus is the word. He is the the answer to the equation. How do we become a child of God to believe and receive in him? He's the one that demonstrates that If we're worried about the next life, He is the resurrection and the life. If we want to understand, how do I know He really is God? And we look at the miraculous things that He's done. These signs, these miracles, were done for the express purpose to convince your heart and your mind that Jesus is what He claimed to be. And if you're looking for full joy, Jesus comes to offer not only His joy, but the fullness of the joy of the Godhead. But as Jesus said, that it was God's word was to sanctify us, to change us. And then he said this, that we are to be sent out just as he was sent. And Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Let's pray. Father, so many things that. You have said to us that speak about life in its fullness. And Father, we would pray that we might be a people that not only receive the truth, but give the truth out. And Father, if there be anyone here this morning that has not made that step, might they recognize that the equation is open for them. It's all about believing and receiving the one who came and died on the cross and rose again to become a child of God. As we continue to worship this morning, might each of us settle our own hearts and mind that Jesus is not only fully God, but he's Lord. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.